This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Roger Simpson, welcome back to Better Reading. Thank you very much. It's great to be back. Now, Roger is one of Australia's leading writers and producers. He has created 17 series for television, including the highly acclaimed telemovie series Halifax FP and its sequel, Halifax Retribution, the cult series Good Days, Bad Days, the police drama Stingers and many more. So obviously you don't, there's not a lot of rest time there. No. Roger, (laughs) no. Always no. writing. That's probably a problem. <laughs> yeah. Roger is the winner of 12 awards for writing, including nine Australian Writers Guild Awards, Augie Award, as well as numerous other awards as a producer. So he's back again. Uh, latest novel, Resurrection. Jane Halifax is back. I love that character so much. But after suffering a terrible accident, her memories have vanished. And to recover them, she must solve a 30-year-old case that has haunted her career. I love her as a character because I think she was uh, an early kind of groundbreaker in terms of um, female investigators, cops, you know, problem solvers. Yeah, she was indeed. There was hardly any female leads back then. This is there wasn't. The yeah, late eighties, and certainly not in crime shows, and certainly not solo. You used to have a, a group of people. Yes. So a solo female crime solver who didn't carry a gun was pretty rare. And also she was gutsy. Yes. Yes. Or she is gutsy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that it's the same 20 years on, it's the same character, well, it's the same person playing the same character on television. Yes. Well, she's 20 years older, of course. Yes. This changed her a lot. She's uh, wiser and and more reflective these days, I think, and less sort of gung-ho than she was in the beginning. But that kind of went with her age. She was age-appropriate when she started out. She was only in her mid-30s when we started the series. Yeah, wow. She was appropriate to her age then. Now, have we talked about her name or were we just calling her Cher? I've just realised the actor's name. Oh, um, Rebecca Gibney. Yes, and we're talking about the actor, Rebecca Gibney, um, yes. who is, yeah, who's still playing the role. It's extraordinary. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah. I guess she's aged with the role, hasn't she? Yes, she has. Well, I've taken the age of Jane Halifax as Rebecca's age, especially when we had our sort of 20-year hiatus between the original Halifax FP Tally movies and then Resurrection. That was 20 years later. So Rebecca was still available to play the role, which was fantastic. So we bumped her age up the same amount. So um, she's sort of a character who's heading towards 60 now. So um, that helps define the stories in a way, mm. the stories which are interesting to a woman of that age. And you know. Were you involved in casting her? 
Yes, I was. Um, Talk to me about that. Well, we she was in a show which we made for Channel 9 called um, Snowy, about the Snowy Mountain Scheme. And uh, that show was a big, expensive blockbuster serial. But um, the serial aspects of it didn't seem to kick in and the ratings didn't build as Channel 9 hopes, and so it only got one season. But at the end of that season, they said, well, we'd like you to do something with Rebecca Gibney because she was in the original Snowy series. Mm -hmm. So they suggested um, Rebecca and we wrote the show for her. We designed a show around her to be good, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, They wanted a crime show. She didn't feel like a cop. She felt more like a forensic psychiatrist, something a bit off-centre. We didn't want to – I don't like sort of cops solving problems through guns. So uh, it was uh, much more fun to take her in that direction. Yeah. And so I guess it's it's hand in hand, I guess. So when you're writing the books, are you thinking of the actor as well as the character? No, I try – I think of the character. Yeah, right. Okay. Rather than than the actor, I know the actor too well, and the actor's a fabulous actor, but she's not Jane Halifax. She's just a very, very good actor who can portray Jane Halifax, but she is uh, not Jane Halifax. So I've got to imagine the character whose face I can't quite see. Mm. I don't see Rebecca's face. I see, I can't, I can see every aspect of Jane Halifax apart from her face. I'd walk past her in the street. I see everything else about her. I, I know her relationships, and I know the way she thinks. And I know where her demons are and what she's, you know, what her problems are in life. But I don't, she's not Rebecca Gibney. Right. Okay. Mm. That's interesting to me. Do you know, um, I just remembered something you said to me on the last podcast. We were talking about the difference between writing scripts and writing fiction. And it's only just come to me now. And you said that with writing fiction, you can get into the character's head. Yes. Well, that was terrifying because I didn't have to do that before. Yeah. Uh, you imply it in drama. You imply through action and uh, and behaviour what the character's thinking and where the character's going. You don't actually get into the head and 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 start thinking, uh, writing what she's thinking. And with the second book, I went one step further and put it in first person. So that was really getting into a head. <laughs> so I jumped in boots and all because um, it was pretty scary going to the novel form for the first time. I'd never done it before. Tell so. me how that came about. Remind me. Well, that's, uh, we can blame Simon & Schuster for that. Um, right, okay. Castabello came to me and said, have you ever thought about writing books? I said, well, no, uh, I haven't. And she said, well, I think you should start thinking about writing, you know. So was she a fan of the TV series? She was a fan and she, she I think she came to it through Halifax Resurrection rather than the original telly movies and then went back and looked at the original telly Because I think she's younger than us. Yes, she is much younger than <laughs> us. It's good to have a young person in your corner, though. Yeah, I know, I know. She's much younger yeah. than us, I think. Yeah. It's pretty handy. So she came and, and she said, so, you know, why don't you give it a go? So I did. A bit terrified. I'm less terrified on the second one, but I've got right. terrified again with the third one. You should be terrified when you're writing. You should never feel too Is it a constant case, uh, constantly terrifying, do you think? Well, terrifying is probably too big a word, but it's you, you should be anxious on the reader's behalf all the time. Yeah, yeah, Make yeah. sure that they're having a good time. I get a lot of confessions from writers, right, yeah. because I'm 
neither an agent nor am I, you know, a publisher. And they see me as a support person. A lot of writers will email me and ask me questions about writing. And do you know, they're all so similar to me. Like the anxiety of writing is all so similar. And sometimes I just want to get them all together, right? And so you're all having the same experience. It's the same stress. It's the same tension. Yes. Yeah. But my anxiety, which is probably their anxiety, is that not to write for yourself because that's too self-indulgent. Just remember that the whole thing doesn't work without the reader. Yeah. And if they're not having a good time and if they're not intrigued and if they're not worried and if they're not anxious, that's a problem. It's no use you being pleased with a, a good day's work and yeah. reading back over your day's work and saying, well, that's a well-written sentence. Well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> Do you know, Roger, it's interesting because I also get sent lots of manuscripts, as you can imagine, because people don't really know how I fit in, so they'll use me as a starting point. But there are some books that I read and I think, did you reread that yourself and wonder whether you enjoyed it? Did you as a writer go back and think that this is a page turner? Like yeah. I wonder whether writers do that. Well, you've got to be conscious of it because you can get lost yeah. in the writing. You can get lost in the writing and you can think, that's a really nice passage that. I it's, like that. Pat myself on the back. <laughs> it's got a good metaphor in there somewhere and it's working really well, the atmosphere, and I've described that situation exactly as I remember it. But there's no tension and no, you know, and yeah. if there's no thriller aspect to it, well, what's the point? You're not writing a novel. You're writing yeah. a thriller. Did I talk to you last time about my John Le Carre quote? No. Well, I've I've talked about it a lot on this podcast and I'm going to yeah. tell you because I love it. Yeah. Um, and to me, it works as a reader. He was, I saw him um, in Sydney years and years ago at a literary yeah. event. I mean, I think he's a brilliant writer. And somebody yeah. was asking him about writing and he said there are two stories. The first story, and, and I apply this to myself as a reader, not a writer, obviously. He said the first story is the cat set on the mat. He said, but the second story is the cat sat on the dog's mat. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Brilliant, right? That's very good. You can be, you can lose sight of the concepts very, very easily. Yeah. And and, and it's sort of, um, that's what starts you going, but you can lose track of it if you don't think about it all the time. But you've got to have the tension. You've got to have the plot because I get sent so many books where the cat just sat on the dog's mat. Yes. And I think, what, what, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's a complex business. It is. It and is. You should be anxious during it. You, you need to be anxious during it because you can get, you know, just writing yeah. the words isn't going to guarantee anything. Now tell me, so you, you went from script writing, you went to fiction. Have you kind of decided that this is your gig and how is it that does it play out in terms of how you structure your day? Is it similar to how you worked before or is it different to how you worked before? I mean, you know, what are they, 90,000, 100,000 words? I don't know. I mean. 80,000 words. 80, yeah, Yeah. okay. Um, Yeah, it's sort of, well, it's one project a year, which is instead of many scripts a year. Um, So that's. Uh, you know, three months of planning, mm-hmm. getting the story right. How do you do that? I with lots of whiteboards or cards Post. and um, diagrams and arrows and crossings out of things that aren't working. And uh, so, pen on paper, not you don't yeah, start. Definitely. 
No. All right. Okay. I, I tried typing it up, but then you can get lost in the words. And then you start half writing the book. Mm. And that's so it's, I try to use diagrams, question marks, uh, lots of colour coding, big red crosses if something's just not working. Mm. <laughs> Fix this up. Um, lots of ticks if I think it is working. Mm. Lots of arrows saying try this bit earlier, try this bit later, get rid of this bit altogether, <laughs> mm. think of something else, you know, a lot, lot of that. But diagrams and and some sort of visual representation of the shape of the book and a, a colour-coded keeping track of characters. So you see if characters are in enough of the book and, and if they're there early on, I don't like a character turning up later. You know, to solve a problem. They've got to be there somehow in the concept when you start. I agree with that totally as a reader. You don't want a surprise. You don't want to meet mm. the villain in the last chapter. Well, sometimes I think it's cheating. It is cheating because you're not yeah. giving the reader their chance to sort of put the elements mm. together. In a murder mystery, uh, they're trying to figure it out as you're trying to write it. They're mm. trying to, you know, and that's that's the game. Well, that's what keeps you turning the pages. Yes, and you've got yeah. to let, let them play that game. You can't hold mm-hmm. some of the elements to one side and only introduce them later. Let's throw everything up in the beginning. Some might look innocent, some might look guilty, some might look mm, to be followed and watched. And you can juggle with those things, but you can't introduce a new element you know, later on. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So that's a, a planning process for three months, and you don't really start writing until you've got that clear in your head? Until I got that clear in my head. And sometimes the impatience to write can make you think you've got the planning right when you haven't. And I'm currently doing a bit of replanning on the third book because I think I got a bit carried away by the writing of it. And uh, I thought, well, hang on, this is a missing bit. So I'm going back to that planning bit. So I've put the draft, I'm about a third of the way through the draft, but I've put it aside to have a big rethink about the plan mm. because um, I, I just sense 
that and I it's need not to there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the elements are there. I think it's I think it's the order in which I'm telling it, which is crucial. Mm. So do you kind of sit at your desk and give yourself like, you know, today I'm going to write for five hours or today I'm going to write 2,000 words or today I'm well, going to... How do you plan that out? Well, I'm in the drafting stage, which is the middle stage, I try to write 1,000 words a day, which is about, yeah. for me, about four and a half, five hours work, including rereading, polishing, you know, it's not mm. a first draft. It's 1,000 mm. words that I'm happy with as a mm. piece of writing. So I go back and forth a lot, but I find I've got a tired brain by the end of about four and a half hours, mm. five hours of, of writing, so I have to stop that. And mm. then I might look at what I'm going to do tomorrow or I might just go and do something else, cut the lawn or something, mm. so just walk away from the desk. Clear your head, yeah. Yes. And I just um, uh, I had to drive off to a wedding in the last couple of days. It's, uh, it was six hours there and six hours back. Oh. And... Uh, that was fantastic. Alone in a car, plotting, plotting. That was really good. <laughs> your mind working that. over time. So you weren't listening to podcasts or audio books. You were just in your own head. No, just in my own head. No radio on. Just, yeah. just plotting. Just thinking about this plot problem. Yeah. And thinking of how to solve it. And and I, you have to try and as a writer, you're on your own. In television, you've got the writers' room. Yes. You can come along and there's six other people yes. in the room. And you say, I'm worried about this character. They just don't seem to be pulling their weight. I think they're a good character, but I don't know if, you know, what would happen if we didn't have them at all? And then half the people would say, I agree with you. Let's get rid of that character. And the other half would say, no, no, no. This is, this trouble is you're not using her properly. So, I mean, I don't have that writer's room anymore. So I've got to do it on my own in my car. And do you enjoy one over the other? I they both got good and bad aspects. The, the writer's room is quicker, yeah, because you've got more brains that you can tap into, but you've got more control when you're on your own. You, mm. you, you don't have to. It's a bit democratic. The writer's room. Mm. Sometimes the room will vote to go in one direction, which you don't totally agree with, but you know, you, you have to empower all those writers to feel they're contributing. So you can't overrule them too mm. often. Mm. You might. You might if you think it's absolutely wrong, but usually mm. usually the demo, the democracy of it takes over. So the lack of democracy is quite good. <laughs> you have to please yourself. The autocrats doing the work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you get it wrong, of course, you've got no one else to blame. Yeah. So no. tell me how you came to writing. Let's go way back. Um, and tell me what you've loved reading. Well, I liked, I was probably writing at school. and I. Um, Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Dunedin in New Zealand. Yeah. In the South Island. Beautiful. Small, mm. small town of 100,000 people, which I thought was a huge city. It was a village. It still is. It still has 100,000 people. It hasn't grown very much. It's a university town. And it's, um, I can't remember what I was reading at the time, but I, was, I certainly wasn't. I was listening to radio, I think. Radio right. drama was where I, that's mm. what I started doing, which I suppose. Today we'd call them pod- podcasts. Well, radio drama's coming back even in audiobooks. Some audiobooks are narrated by, you know, four or five yeah. actors. Yeah. So I'd listen to lots of radio drama, lots of serials. Mm. Yeah, that's where I cut my writing teeth, listening to radio drama mm. and thinking that, that sounds like fun. I quite like Did you study that. writing at all? No. 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 I did law. I did I went to, I did law at university and I practiced for three years. Mm-hmm. But um, I did a lot of student review at university. 
Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a comedy writer initially. Mm. I did. I, I survived as a comedy writer for a short period of time, and then I got mm. ser- serious. That's so I, hard, isn't it? I hope I haven't lost my wit in it. I like a bit of comedy. Comedy drama is my favourite form. Good Guys, Bad Guys was my favourite show. Right. And I've, you know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to keep doing this crazy occupation, but I have got a, a Good Guys, Bad Guysy project to go on to if this Halifax book is the last of the three. Right. So anyway, you you studied law and then yeah. how did you get into script writing? Tell me about your first job. Well, I, it, that came from student review and the yeah. local, I was then living in Auckland by then. I went to university in Auckland, not Dunedin, and a producer at television came along and said, we want you to write some jokes for our Tonight Show. So I wrote jokes for a Tonight Show and made a TV compare look funny. And then that led to drama or kids shows originally, Mm -hmm. kids shows, and then dramatised documentaries and then drama, and uh, that's where I've stayed. Always lots of cop shows, legal shows. um, And what brought you to Australia? I mean, I know a lot of people leave New Zealand for a bigger life. but Well, it was just lack of work. work. When I, when I left way back in the 70s, there's only eight hours of drama being produced in all of New Zealand a year, wow. and they gave it to eight different writers, very democratic. Yeah. So they didn't want anyone to hog it. There was no serials. There were no, um, no long-form drama. They were just teleplays, and there was only yeah. eight of them a year. So there was just no work. Yeah. So I decided that I'd um, – well, actually, I was – the decision was helped by a partner in a firm I was going to be offered a partnership in, and he said, congratulations on your offer of a partnership. Is there anything else you ever wanted to do? I said, that's a funny that's a funny question to ask me. He says, well, I kind of regret taking a partnership when it was first offered to me and not sort of at least going overseas and exploring the world a bit. Mm. He says, is there anything you'd really want to do? I said, oh, I'm, my secret is I'd like to be a writer. He says, give it a go. So I gave myself two years, came to Australia. Mm -hmm. I'm still there, still writing. And the rest is history, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So I should should track that um, partner down and thank him because um, it was a very generous thing to say. And it was based on his own regret. Mm. He he became a judge. He became quite a famous judge in New Zealand. He's retired now. But I should track him down and thank him. Mm. A lot of people walk away from a law degree. Well, not walk away because I'm, mm. I'm sure it's a, a great discipline to have, but they don't practice law. They go into other things like writing. Yes. yes. You see that more with law than, say, for instance, medicine. Well, I see that here in writing. Yes, yes. yeah, you do. And I think, you know, the whole court, the courtroom's a place for show-offs. Yes, so, acting, storytelling. Yes, Writing speeches. Yeah. <laughs> convincing an audience. Yeah, know. yeah. Well, I heard during COVID, I read this in the Sydney Morning Herald, I think, during COVID I heard that the Law Society um, got, I think, NIDA or one of those acting schools to come in and help the lawyers transition from person in person, obviously, to Zoom courts. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I just, that was interesting. I thought that was very interesting. It says a lot about the profession, doesn't it? It does, it does. Mm. But a lot mm. of lawyers send me scripts thinking that I've Yes. Done. If I'm a lawyer, I understand. And, and yeah, I know. Um, and a lot of lawyers are very good writers. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so tell me about this book. 
Resurrection. Well, this is um, well, this is as you said in your introduction. This is Jane has this accident, and she yes. has to. She wakes up. She doesn't even recognise herself in the mirror. So she's got to relearn who she is, which yeah. was my opportunity to reacquaint myself with Jane Halifax, going right back, right to the beginning, and sort out a few skeletons in her closet and a few demons in her upbringing, and get her memory back. And the whole trip to recover her memory was scary and interesting at the same time. Scary for you or scary for her? Scary for, scary for her, but therefore scary for me. It's my yeah. i got to look after it. <laughs> and I, I spoke to lots of people who had been through really traumatic brain injuries mm. and struggled to get their um, memory back. back. Yeah. It's a scary thing. And oh, I, yeah. And I had a very good... Um, a uh, neurosurgeon in my corner as well helping me. And it became a very interesting journey in itself, just, you know, getting your memory back and worrying about if you'd never totally do so. And then did someone try to kill her when they ran her off the road? Does she have an enemy she can't even remember? Mm-hmm. So things started adding up and it um, became an interesting journey, a journey for Jane to discover who she is and for us to be worried about is there someone out there who wishes her harm. Roger Simpson, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. Always enjoy our conversations. It's always a pleasure for me too. Thank you very much, Cheryl. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.